0: Hello, and welcome to From Garage to Growth, the small business story, the podcast where we journey into the heart of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Brad Rue. Every week, we delve into the compelling stories of small businesses and the remarkable individuals who brought them to life. From humble beginnings in garages and basements to grand victories in boardrooms and beyond, we leave no stone unturned. So buckle up as we explore the unique world of entrepreneurship, one business story at a time. Any testimonial or endorsement shown is based on an individual's experience and may not be represented of the experience of other individuals or customers. There's no guarantee of future performance or success. No direct recognition or indirect payment or other compensation is provided to any person for a testimonial endorsement appearing here. Okay, so today we got Brad Rue, owner of Action Financial Strategies, interviewing Brad Rue, owner of Muskie Innovations. <laughs> And this would be a great interview because it's truly a garage to growth, small business story. So this fits amazingly. Thank mm-hmm. you for agreeing to be interviewed. Yeah, for sure. So before I dive into some of the questions of your origin story, just for the audience, your 20-second elevator pitch on what is Musky Innovations when someone asks you.
1: Basically, we're a fishing lure manufacturing company. Started out where I was doing my manufacturing myself. I guess I wouldn't really be a manufacturer so much anymore because I have people make my baits for me now. But So yeah, we're a fishing lure company, self-fishing lures, and accessories.
0: So take us back to the beginning. And I know some of your origin story, but take us back to the beginning of when did the genesis of musky Innovation start? Like what was that? point
1: i always had interest in fishing in general since i was a kid and dabbled in tying my own flies making my own rods so i always had that in my history if you will growing up it actually started when i went on a fishing trip with a cousin of mine who was in the tool and dive business he had his own company and i told him as we were fishing i said i got a lot of really cool lure ideas i want to bring some different stuff to the marketplace that's not really out there and he said, I could make your mold. So we made a partnership at that time and just started off really small and in a garage, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. So that's what got me started. That's what piqued my interest. In. I and mean, then that opportunity came along.
0: So really, you started off, I remember, even in Grandpa's basement, there was like your buck... Fly tying. Fly tying yep. and, and bucktails yep. and... Sure. Making lures for a long time.
1: Probably since I was 10 or 12. I was tying the flies and... <laughs> building rods and doing all that kind of stuff. So always
0: had that interest. And largely now moved into plastics. So was that the genesis of plastics was those dyes from cousin?
1: Right. So in my industry, muskies mostly, are toothy critters, if you will, like not a lot of soft plastics were out back when I started, 1993, a while wow. ago. Yeah. <laughs> There wasn't a lot in that marketplace of soft plastic. There was a few, but, but nothing much. And so that was my idea and my niche to get into that market. Most things were made out of either metal or wood or wire, that type of stuff.
0: The moment that you would say, besides getting the dyes made, what was the moment that you're like, I actually have a business here? where you ended up walking away from your other Right, so it was
1: actually 93. There happened to be the first musky show ever, coincidentally. Huh. So I thought, that's what I want to try to grow it in, so let me go to that show. And a couple key people came up to me at that show. I didn't know them at the time. Now they're longtime friends of mine. They were guides in the industry, came up to me and said, wow, this might have something here. This is pretty cool. So they got some product from me. Took them all out and had really good success. And that was when they had that success and I had some early success myself when I was prototyping. And It dawned on me like, man, this could actually be something. This might be a good niche to fit in and evidently it was.
0: Yeah. So then what was the transition from quitting your full-time job to all in on this?
1: Basically, I did a full-time job and this for about seven years. Wow. Thankfully, I also had a wife that was very supportive, and I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. So she was also working full time jobs, so I didn't have to lose benefits. <laughs> which, yeah, yeah that's what was huge. And right? I just got too busy. I was working my regular job from mm-hmm. six in the morning till three. I'd come home and work till ten, eleven at night. Jet. and I did that way too long. <laughs> and there was one summer I'll never forget, where I was going to bed, and my wife was waking up, going to package the lures I just made. For a whole summer, we basically saw each other in the hallway. And I went, yeah, this is, that's it. I'm going to quit. And at that time, I figured, you know, I had a college education. I went to Madison. So I figured if this didn't work, I can go get a job. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was rolling some dice and giving up a little seniority at where I work, but I was still young. Didn't really bother me at all. So let's go for this if I can make it work. Make enough money that we can survive. That's what I'll do. And then I think it was three or four years later. She ended up quitting her job and coming here. That's so how fast so we grew wow. up at the time.
0: Wow. Well, what would you say some of your early biggest hurdles were?
1: Quitting my job. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I, all think, that security. I think there was a, a one year where I bought a house, had a kid, got a dog, and quit my job. <laughs> that was all in one year. And, That was, that was, I was, again, I was young and I guess it was just a gamble I was willing to take, but I also believed in it. I think that's a huge part of starting your own business and growing your own business is believing in what you are doing, have a passion for what you're doing and working a lot. (laughs) Just, I always tell people when you own your own business, it it owns you also, it it really just becomes your life. It's not a bad thing. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so we put a lot of hours in and stuff, but it's also very rewarding.
0: Were there any early successes that really were helping to keep your momentum going?
1: I think the biggest thing was the support staff that I had. And I'm not talking about people who worked here, but like my pro staff guys having the success on my product, right? So Getting those guides out there, exactly. fishing with your product. Then all of a sudden stores were calling me instead of me calling them uh, going, hey, can I put my stuff in there? they're going, who are you? We don't know your stuff. When I first started, a few stores would put it in on consignment consignment doesn't pay the bills unless they sell Mm -hmm. but then when the product became a lot of success on it the demand grew really fast in fact i even had a lot of demand over in europe which was a weird thing i had a couple guys take my product over there had some success on pike fishing over there Mm -hmm. and there was nothing like it now there's tons like it but at the time there's nothing so I remember the fax machine going off in the middle of the night, getting orders from Europe, and then going, oh boy. And I'd figure out, I can make this many lures an hour. This is going to take me like 70 hours (laughs) to do this order. (laughs) Oh boy. Again, being tenacious at it and putting a lot of hours towards it, but also having the right
0: people around me and having success. (laughs) I think that was really important. Has your publicity in, as I've seen your, obviously, pages and commentary in Musk Innovations magazine. And some of those has that publicity helped you in any way as far as spreading in Back the in the state?
1: day, for sure. Um, there was one one publication that was started in the eighties called Muskie Hunter. Mus- yeah, there was a, a lot of articles being written by my pro staff and uh about my products, which of course helped tremendously. And I, I guess the other one of the other really big things too that happened and it was a, a person. As these musky shows started to grow, they started popping up all across the Midwest. I was doing one in Minnesota early on and a guy came up to me and said, your product's great, but I don't see it in the stores that I go to. How about I do some sales for you? I said, sure. And we had a handshake. We never even had a contract. I don't know if <laughs> I would advise that, but, but I was an honest person. So was he. And nice. we basically had a, about a 25 year relationship until he retired. And he was a very good salesman, and he got me in a lot of places, which really helped grow my company also. Yeah, so that was huge too. Again, the right people come
0: into your life and can really be a big difference. Walk me through a little bit of the 08 financial collapse and how did that impact your business at all?
1: Thankfully, it didn't hurt it too bad. There's one thing about outdoors people. They'll give up a lot of things, but they don't like to give up their passion or their sport or their free time what they like to do in their free time so thankfully for me did it slow things down sure but people still bought my product and still got outdoors and still did their fishing even as the economy is slowing now inflation everything right now i can feel it but it's not crazy it's Mm. just a little bit so we just have to make adjustments but Mm. thankfully it's been pretty recession proof if you will yeah
0: and now coming into this next leg of your business journey, you're not pouring your own baits anymore. Right. How long ago did that kind of change and how has that helped or hurt your business? I got to
1: the point where I'm like, I can't do it anymore alone. If I want to grow, I got to find someone to do it. So I searched and okay. searched and there's really not a lot of people that, a lot of companies that do what I call hand pouring of soft plastic baits. There's a lot that do injection and mostly don't sell for bass fishing. But a lot of my baits are too big to inject. It just doesn't work right. So I tried the injection thing, spent a lot of money on a lot of molds, and the baits just didn't work. The product just didn't work like it was supposed to. So again, I brought everything back, and I found somebody. <laughs> again, it's the people that really help, and I helped them start their own business. And now they, I think, have eight or nine employees. They're pouring my stuff. They're making baits for other people. But yeah, that that was a huge hurdle. So when I knew I couldn't keep up, what was I going to do to still get my product and, and still get it out there? And and since then, I've been able to grow exponentially because I have a time to do what I need to do here instead of making baits. I'm shipping baits and finding new customers and developing new product. And I don't have time to do that before it was just trying to keep up on orders.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Trying to not to have the business
1: outpace you. Exactly. That's huge.
0: That's really good. Any commentary on where your business is today and where you see it going in like the next five, 10 years? And In the industry, maybe some common Right, industry. My
1: business is <laughs> the strongest it's ever been. Actually, the years of COVID, like I told you, people will still go fishing mm-hmm. and still go hunt these. My business actually grew quite a bit and we got to develop some new products. We came out with rods and things like that. I'm also trying to diversify a little bit into other things than just lures, uh, more accessories. And, sure. and again, rods and stuff like that. Um, it's exciting. I got... A new product coming out this year, and I've already got two more being developed. Drawings, the whole line yards. The way I look at it right now, because I can, I'm just putting the pedal to the metal and moving forward as fast as I can grow. Almost all growing my facility. Yeah, actually. I see you. a little, <laughs> little crowded in here yeah. for those on YouTube. Great. <laughs> right. There's a lot of lures hanging around here. <laughs> there's a lot don't, of product.
0: Don't get hooked, <laughs> right? Or get hooked because then you know, yeah, you're you supporting go. it. So. So yeah, still in it's, growth mode. It's, it's
1: definitely in growth mode. And I'm 56, so six to 10 years-ish, probably going to maybe move on and sell. So I want it to be an optimal when I do that,
0: obviously. Mm-hmm. I know we're in super small Cleveland, Wisconsin right. community. Mm-hmm. Have you had any impact on the community with what you're doing here? Well, I think
1: probably the biggest impact is the companies that I purchase from. Like my lures, Midwest Tackle, they employ eight or nine people now. Those are eight or nine people that weren't employed by me or by support if you they're not actually my employees. I try to do everything as local as I can. All my packaging is bought out of Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. One of my friends is a salesperson there, so... As much as I can, I try to keep it as fairly local. I try to do most of my stuff in the United States. Not everything is because some things it's almost impossible, but I try to do most. And if I'm not doing something, maybe I'm buying something from somewhere, but I see that opportunity here, I will change as fast as I can because I think that's important.
0: Built in America.
1: And all these lures and everything are... Like I say, about 95% are all built right here. That's fantastic.
0: And you're in big stores. It's yep. not like you're in so-and-so's bait and gun down right. the street, which right. you might we're, be there too. We're but. there
1: too. We're, we have distributors. Distributors mostly sell to those guys. I do sell direct to some of them also. Oh. Some of the bigger ones. And then, yeah, I would ask for old fleet part. Cabela's. Cabela's. Yeah. yeah.
0: Shields, all those guys. Any last vision for your business aside from growth? What is transitioning out for you? Is it a hard stop or do you think you're going um, to no, phase I, out No, it depends purchase?
1: upon, of course, the buyer, right? One, one huge thing for my business in the last, I'll say, five to seven years has been the internet. I really developed my website in the last six, seven years, and that has been the game changer, to be honest. Mm-hmm. There's a certain amount of people that want to come and see you at shows and buy. There's a certain amount of people that want to go to stores and buy and feel and touch, right? But there's also people who want to buy online. That's the only way they buy. So if you don't have that presence, you're, you're cheating yourself out of business. If you're sure. in retail like I am yeah. or selling a product right. like I am.
0: Um, Having those multiple channels.
1: And as far as transitioning, you know I don't know. I don't have it a successor myself that wants it. But um, if I'm going to sell to someone, I'd, I'd for sure be happy to stay on and help them transition and long as it takes and who knows maybe i'll help them develop some more products i got lots of ideas
0: <laughs> <laughs> for all the young aspiring entrepreneurs out there that are looking to start their business maybe it's musky baits maybe it's <laughs> something completely different right. what advice would you have to the young guy who's maybe starting a business in his garage so, young guy or who, old guy who knows so, everyone's an entrepreneur at heart doesn't matter that's true
1: <clears throat> sticking to if it's your dream every, everything's possible find good people around you. And I think one of the biggest lessons I learned in my industry anyway, is I don't worry about what the other guy's doing. I'm cognizant of it. I like to find the niches in the marketplace that aren't filled yet myself. And I wanna always be the guy that they're chasing and not be the chaser Mm -hmm. if I can. Yeah, Not always possible, but it's my goal. But what I found out is don't, again, don't worry about what they're doing. If you put all your energy and focus into what you're doing, you'll be successful.
0: It's really good advice. Yeah. Not to scare anyone away from being their own entrepreneur, right? Any final thoughts on your business or takeaways we can share with our audience
1: um, on your success? You have to have a passion for it. You have to love what you're doing. If you're like me and start started it all for nothing, you're probably going to spend a lot of time doing it. So make sure you like it. Mm-hmm. I think that's super important. I never come to work hating work. I always love what I do. I get up in the morning and go, man, I get to do that again. I don't think a lot of people opportunity. If to. you can feel that way about what you're doing, you're doing
0: the right thing. Awesome. Thank you, Brad Rue, for <laughs> <You're welcome laughs> the <back>. interview today. <laughs> and until uh, next time, take care, everyone. And that, folks, brings us to the end of another enlightening episode of From Garage to Growth, a small business story. I hope you found today's journey as inspiring as I did and that you'll take the lessons learned today and use them to fuel your own entrepreneurial spirit. Before we sign off, I want to direct you to resources that can further aid your journey. I urge you to visit our website, actionfinancials.com, and while you're at it, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel and Facebook page. We regularly upload content, to repel your financial success hopefully your journey from the garage to growth just got a little bit easier until next time keep doing life better and now for some fun disclosures this material is for general information purposes only and was produced by action financial strategies llc life insurance is subject to underwriting no coverage exists until a policy is issued and the required premium is paid neither action financial strategies nor line life securities llc or its affiliates provide tax legal or accounting advice for advice in such matters, consult your own professional counsel. Brian is a member, agent of Nautilus Group, a service in New York Life Insurance Company. Brian Rue, CA Insurance License Number 0B66341. Brian and Bradley Rue are collectively registered representatives of and offer securities products and services through Nautilus Securities LLC. Member FINRA SIPC, a licensed insurance agency, 999, Fury Drive. Suite 300, Madison, Wisconsin, 53717, 608-831-4416. Brian and Bradley Rue are also collectively registered as investment advisor representatives with Eagle Strategies, LLC, registered investment advisor. Action Financial Strategies is not owned or operated by Nilex Securities or its affiliates. The views of each episode podcast guest and their company do not reflect the views of Action Financial Strategies, LLC, or New York Life Insurance Company and its affiliates.